Okay, now I feel like I'm a neon light up here flashing because the baby, the baby will not turn his head. He's like, what in the world is that? His eyes are about that big and he's just like staring. Yeah, I match your, I match your stuffy. <laughs> so precious. Ephesians chapter 2. Um, going to look at Ephesians chapter 2 uh, verses 1 to 10 um, a sermon I called take a seat um, hopefully you'll understand in a couple minutes why I titled my sermon that Ephesians chapter 2 starting at verse 1 and God's word says as for you you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you follow the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do come to you desiring faithfulness in our lives and righteousness in our lives. We do come to you desiring that we are conformed to your image, that we continue to be transformed into your likeness. And we do that this morning, Lord, by looking to your word and having your word in front of us. Lord, help us understand this morning, Lord, how we can be drawn into your likeness. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we do, we do continue our journey towards Easter. Uh, a couple of weeks away for us, I believe about three weeks away. And as we journey through the season of Lent, I've been spending some time in Psalms, and now this morning we, we jump to Ephesians 2. And hopefully as we continue to look at these passages of, of Scripture, um, God will continue to brighten and sharpen our hope in Him and continue to um, prepare our hearts for that day of celebration uh, as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, on Easter morning. So my focus uh, for the title of my sermon is really verse 6. And I'll read verse 6 again for us this morning. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. 
I've been chewing on this verse. I've been really focused on this verse and, and thinking about this verse and pondering this verse, looking deeply into it, trying to understand, and hopefully this morning for all of us, we'll bring it to a point where we all understand and have some comprehension what it means to be seated with him in the heavenly realms. If you've ever gone to a football game, go to a high school football game, I will say, or something local like that, and you get there and, you know, your friends are coming a little bit later, you go in and you throw your blanket down on the seats, they call you on the phone, where are you seated? It's an honest question, and you answer back, I'm seated on the, around the 40-yard line on the visitor's side, about 10 rows up. And they want to know where you're seated because they want to come and they want to sit with you. In, in this nice day of age that we have, if you're going to the movie theaters, I, don't, I guess they're open now, um, but headed to the movie theaters, you can get online and you can choose your seat and reserve your seat. Where do I want to sit in a nice relaxing lounge chair at the movie theater? And you say, this is where I'm seated. Um, even here in, in our own church, and we have these placards on all these seats, right? This is where we're seating. This is where our family is. And we, we're very consistent at, at being spaced out in our church uh, but sitting in these seats of where we want to be. And so we, we choose our seat. I can tell you even more important, this one's really, really big. You go to the wedding reception. And there's that thought as you're going to the wedding reception, I wonder who they're going to have me sit with. You know, and as you get older, you just get seated with the older people, if you do realize that. But you go there, and you go to the wedding reception, and what do you do? You, you go over to that little sign, that, and you start looking down the list, and you say, Oh, I'm seated at table seven. Okay, who else is at table seven? And you go through, and you, oh, I'm sitting with Sam. That's good. We have some good conversation. And right, you get concerned about where you're seated. And so seating does become important to us. But now I'm going to go back to the spiritual realm. That's where I'm physically seated. Do I really care about where I'm spiritually seated? Do we ever put any thought to where we are spiritually seated? Because God has raised us up with Christ, and he has seated us with Christ in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now, the last I checked and the last I read, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, at the right hand of the Father. That is where Jesus is sitting. But also, the last time I checked, I'm standing right now. Before a while, I was seated, and right now, the majority of you are seated somewhere in this, these green chairs, or maybe at home on your couch, or maybe still seated in your bed, wherever it may be, watching on the Internet. You're not necessarily seated in the heavenly realms. And so I keep pondering this scripture and keep coming back to this of how can we be seated in the heavenly realms? And see, no matter what we do today and no matter what we decide today, the reality is our hands, our feet, our posterior, they're here. Physically, we are here. Physically, we are seated somewhere. But then I go back and I say, where are we spiritually seated? Because the question comes back to me and says, where is my heart? Where is my soul? Where is my mind? 
Where is my strength? The things that we sang about this morning, where are those things and where are the focus of those things? Where do I have those things? And are they seated in the heavenly realms? And it becomes extremely important for us. And in a sense, it's one of those measuring moments where we get out the measuring stick and we put it up against us and we say, where does my heart and soul and mind and strength sit? Am I really living as if they're seated in the heavenly realms? Or am I really living like I'm seated here? Am I really thinking and living like I'm seated there? Or am I really living and thinking like I'm seated here? Which one really is it? And so as we think those things things through, they do have an impact on our lives. And I'm going to give you one. And I want you to understand these questions. I'm going to be very careful with the questions that I ask. We still live in the day of corona, coronavirus panic. That's the day we live in. And so I want you to think of it this way. We're 12 months in, pretty much about 12 months. I think it was this Sunday, 12 months ago, that we did not have church. We had church online, and we stopped meeting in a building. And so as 12 months into this, here's some questions for you. Are you worried? Are you living in fear? Now, I'm being very careful with those questions because I didn't ask the question, are you taking the necessary precautions to live your life to the full that God would want you to do? Now, I didn't ask that question. I didn't ask if you wear a mask or if you don't wear a mask. I, don't, I didn't ask if you have hand sanitizer to wash your hands or didn't have hand sanitizer. I didn't ask if you took a vaccine or didn't take a vaccine. So all of those things are, are decisions that we make to live our lives. But what I did ask is, are you worried and are you living in fear? Now, I want you to understand, as you think about those two questions, are you worried or are you living in fear? Because the way that we answer those questions reflects, am I seated in the heavenly realms or am I still seated here? Because the last time I checked, Jesus said to not worry about food. He said to not worry about what you will say. He said to not worry about tomorrow. So Jesus is telling me not to worry. Now, what's also interesting, when Jesus was talking about fear, Jesus said that we should fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. And then he says, yes, I tell you, fear him. There's an interesting aspect of fear. Jesus is telling us not to worry, and when it comes to fear, he's saying, look, you shouldn't be fearing these things that are around you. You should be fearing the one that's going to throw you into hell. Now, I come back to those questions. Our mental, our mental, our thought reactions to the coronavirus is reflective of where we see ourselves spiritually seated. Do you see how I just took out the measuring stick of something so simple? And we can take that into any aspect into our lives and start to ask the question, am I really seated in the heavenly realms? Am I really seated... Here's another way to think about where you were seated. Philippians 4.8, Paul says to the church in Philippi, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, 
whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Now, that is very, very lofty things to think about. But I want to put it the other way. If our thoughts are all caught up in everything that isn't noble, everything that isn't right, everything that is impure, things that are unlovely, things that are not admirable, I'm back to the measuring stick. Am I really seated in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus? Am I really seated there? So I want us to take some time and understand the who and the why and the who and look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10, and then come back in the end to where we are seated. Because hopefully we can understand what Jesus Christ has done for us. And then from there, understand the power of God in our lives that can change the fact and the reality of where we're seated. I want to start with who we are. Who we were. Sorry, start with who we were. And the first verses in this chapter point to who we were. Uh, it, this is not a pretty picture, but it's one that we need to face the reality of. As we read these words of faith, of, of Paul, we see who we were. We were dead in our transgressions. We were dead in our sins. We, follow, we followed the ways of the world. We lived to gratify the cravings of our flesh. I mean, to sum it up from a spiritual perspective, we were messed up. And being messed up, we lived like we were messed up. And I'm talking B.C., before Christ, that's who we were. And, and hopefully all of us can look in the mirror and say, that is who I was, who we were. The Bible goes on in many other places to describe who we were. We were all like sheep who have gone astray, each to their own wicked way. We were all like sheep. Who, who we were. We were all sinners who had fallen short of the glo glory of God. Here's the list. We were lawbreakers, rebels, ungodly, sinful. We were unholy and we were irreligious. We were murderers, sexually immoral, slave traders, liars, and perjurers. We were idolaters, selfish, full of rage, envious, and drunks. We were jealous, slanderers, gossips, arrogant, and causing discord and dissension. We were violent, quarrelsome, lovers of money. That's who we were. And they're not my words, they're God's. Go through the New Testament, go through the Old Testament, and there are many, many more descriptions. That is who we were. Now, here's the problem with who we were. And this is the dialogue, and here's how it goes. And here's the dialogue that drives me crazy. Well, Jesus hung out with sinners. Pastor, how can you stand up there all self-righteous, all pompous, and talk about all those things that are bad? Because Jesus hung out, and he loves sinners. And all of that's a half-truth. Because Jesus was a friend of sinners. If it wasn't for Jesus being a friend of sinners, you and I wouldn't be here. Is it, is it, is it true that Jesus loves sinners? Yes, it, it's so true. Because if it wasn't for God's love for us, you and, you and I would not be here. So we trust in the fact that God loves us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We, we trust in the fact that his mercies were for us. But it is who we were and not who we are. When I read through the Bible and I read about God, when I read about what Jesus is in the business of doing, I read about a God who is calling us out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
And everything that I read about Jesus loving us is he loved us so much that he died on the cross to forgive us of our sins so that way we could stand here today and say that is who we were. That is who we were. And because of the blood of Jesus Christ, he's washed away those sins and it's who we were. And that's why I can stand here and list all of those things that were in our lives. But hopefully all of us can look at our lives and say, that is who we were. Everything, everything in our lives, it all sums up that we were a terrible mess and we're called to a new life. So in this new life, in this new life, either my chair is sitting in the heavenly realms or it's not. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it's who we were. It shouldn't be who we are. It shouldn't be who we're striving to be. We should not wake up in the morning and say, I want to fill my life with any of those things because the old is gone and the new is here. Hebrews tells us to throw off the sin that so easily entangles. Throw off the sin. It's who we were, not who we desire to be. But Pastor Ralph, I keep sinning. Don't you sin? According to that clock, it's 947. It's 1047, I believe. Yeah, I've been up for five hours. Yes, I sin. And I didn't have to be up for five hours to sin, whatever it is. But I can tell you, when I woke up this morning, I didn't wake up this morning and say, let me go deliberately sin. Because I understand the wages of sin is death and the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I want the gift of God. And I know the deliberate sin gets put behind us, thrown off, washed away, forgotten, and we move forward. I want to tell you, the man or woman today who is waking up in an, in an adulterous relationship and says, well, it's okay. No, it's not okay. God says to stop deliberately sinning. And I don't have to start listing down all the different sins that we deliberately sin. And the reason, do you know why I don't have to list them? Because the Holy Spirit's already speaking into your heart and saying, look, get, get your act together. That is wrong. That is wrong. And we need to denounce it and confess it and move on from it and put it into the past and make it who we were, not who we are. Hebrews 10, 26 through 27, this verse should scare us. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Did you catch the verse? If we deliberately keep on sinning, deliberately keep on sinning means I know that this is a blatant offense to God, but I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. Everybody else at work is stealing things. We, we joked yesterday, yesterday after men's breakfast, men's breakfast was over so I can talk about it, and we were having casual conversations about how people walk out of work. And we were hearing this story about a lady that walked out of work with two paint cans hidden in her jacket. Oh, I don't know how they got there. Someone must have put them in my jacket. I don't know who the lady is so I can share the story. And People do that all the time, walking out of work, walking out of work and taking things and taking things. And if you say, well, hey, everybody else at work is stealing tools, I can steal tools too. Oh my, stop deliberately sinning and put that behind us. That's who we were, not who we are. 
And so I don't have to stand up here and go through the litany because it, it, the list goes on and on. And we have to remember that's who we are, who we were, not who we are. We can't stay at who we were. We need to move forward. I want us to move forward and understand why we are. The middle verses of this passage in verses 1, to, 1 through 10 start to talk about why we are. God's great love for us gives us the opportunity to move out of who we were. His great love for us, His mercy, His grace for us. He took us from being dead in our transgressions to giving us life. He took our sins and He washed them away and made us clean. It's the story of the Bible. It's the story of the Bible, God taking us from being full of sin to being full of His righteousness. It's the story of, of the Bible, God taking us from being a messed up people to being a people chosen by Him. It's the reason that Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. Because even Jonah said, look God, I know that you're, you're a righteous and you're a forgiving God and you're full of mercy. And if you go into that, if I go into that town and start telling the Ninevites that they're going to die, and, and, and God's wrath is going to come on them. I know what you're going to do, God. It's the story of the Bible because the Ninevites were willing to repent and say that's who we were. And then God's mercy and forgiveness was poured out on them. And what did Jonah do? He got mad. He got mad anyway. But it's the story of the Bible. We read it through the Old Testament. We read it through the New Testament. We read it with the prodigal son and the lost coin and the lost sheep over and over and over again. How God takes people who they were and lifts us out of the sin and brings us to a place of His righteousness. Right? To God be the glory, great things He has done. So loved He the world that He gave us His Son who yielded His life and atonement for sin and opened the life gate that all may go in. And of course it says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear His voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give Him the glory. Great things He has done. That's why we are. It's the Good Friday story of Jesus dying on the cross. It's what we are looking forward to in the period of Lent. We, we have our eyes fixed looking forward as we go through Lent, looking towards that, that Good Friday story and looking forward to that Easter resurrection day, that Good Friday story where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I love the verse, John 15, 13 to 14. I love this verse. Because they have to go together. You hear the first verse, John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. That is beautiful in, in its own, own perspective. Greater love has no man than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. John 15, 13. I love verse 14. Where Jesus says, Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I want you, what I command. You are my friends if you do what I command. Jesus didn't just follow it up that there's some ambiguous guy out there somewhere that's going to give their life for them. He says, greater man has no one than this than he laid down his life for his friends. And he looks at his disciples and he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. Follow me. You're my friends. I'm laying down my life for you. The Good, the good Friday story, the Easter morning story of Jesus rising from the dead, coming back to life, 
and it gives us that new hope of life as well. These verses talk about, I can't brag about how I saved myself. I didn't save myself. I can't brag about how I did it. It was God's riches of grace, his kindness, his mercy. It was a gift from God giving us salvation. We're going to move on to the next point. We started with who we were. In the middle, we get why we are. And it brings us to the point in the end, who we are. Verse 10, last verse. Verse 10, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good, good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You know, I did this morning before I left the house. I had to go in the bathroom, brush my teeth, and I fixed my hair up, make it look, you know, somewhat pretty. And I looked in the mirror and I said, that's God's handiwork. Not because of an ego. Because verse 10 says, you, 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 you are God's handiwork. You are God's handiwork. Which is something really big to grasp. Because when I think about God's handiwork, I think about the song I used to sing in Sunday school about my God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. It talks about the mountains are his, the rivers are his, the stars are his handiwork too. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. And that song is wonderful. And did, did you hear the handiwork though that it, it talks about? It talks about the mountains are his and the rivers are his and the stars are his. And last week I talked about you see the sunrise and you see the beautiful handiwork of God. We live in a part of the country where we see the mountains, you know, to the north and to the south of us, and we, we see the beautiful, some people would call them hills, but we call them mountains that are there, and see God's glorious handiwork. We walk up to the top on, you know, one side or the other, up on Flat Rock or wherever it may be, and you look down over the valley at God's beautiful handiwork. And God looks at you and he says, you're my handiwork too. Put that one in our in our thoughts. No matter what we think about ourselves, no matter what fault, no matter what failure, no matter who we were, no matter who we were, you are God's handiwork. You are God's handiwork. When we are half asleep in the morning, walking by the mirror, and I know what things look like when you're half asleep in the morning walking by the mirror. There's no makeup. The hair's not combed, smashed on one side. All the faults, all the wrinkles. And you're walking by that mirror. There's the handiwork of God. There's the handiwork of God. It's you. It's you. When we get that seat in the heavenly realms, where our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength is sitting in the heavenly realms of God. Our hands and feet are here on the earth carrying out the good works of God that he has prepared in advance for us to do. I love that reality as well. That while you were being knitted together in your mother's womb, while God was forming you, giving you a gender, giving you a personality, 
and God's forming you together in your mother's womb, God is looking out over the spans of time and saying, I got a good work for them to do on March 14th in the year of the Lord, 2021. They're going to be at such and such a place. They're going to end up in a conversation. The person's going to need to hear some encouragement, and they're going to be the person that's going to bring those words of encouragement forth, the good work that's going to come from their lips. And that all happened way, way, way back while we were formed, way, way back before we were even formed, that God prepared in advance for us to do. That's who we are. We're seated in the heavenly realms with our soul, mind, and spirit fixed on God. And our hands and feet are here to do his good works. Missy shared these verses earlier. And I went and looked them up, and I'm going to read them again from the message. I'm just going to read a couple words from it where we read the words, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. It's who we are that God is doing a good work in each of us. Who we are, we were dead, but now we're alive. We were lost in our sins, but now we're found in the righteousness of God and forgiven. We were hopeless, now we are hopeful. We were living in darkness, now we're living in God's marvelous light. It's who we are. So what do we do with all of this? We need to figure out where our chair is sitting. And when I say where our chair is sitting, where is our thought process? Where are our minds focused? Where is our, our, our body but then from there, our soul and our mind and our strength, our spirit. I share it because we're either living on the mountain with God or we're dwelling and fretting in the world of dystopia. When I think back over the past week, and I want you to do the same, think back over the last week and think about every fear that you have had. Think about any failure that you've had over the past week, over the past month. When you think about every fear, every failure, is it because of who you are? Or is it because of who you were? And there's so much time spent on the past and the world around us, our eyes so quickly get off of who we are and they get back to who we were. So right now, if you can think of something, Write it down on a piece of notepaper or something in front of you. What is the worry or fear that you are dealing with? Right now, you have a worry or fear that you are dealing with. Go ahead and write it down. Think about the worry and fear that you are dealing with. And now think about the question 
Is that worry or fear eternal? Is that worry or fear eternal? Or is this a worry or fear that has to do with the heavenly realm about godly things? See, I know where my worries and fears are. They're all earthly. They all end up being earthly. All what-if scenarios. And God says, fix your eyes. Fix your eyes on me and focus on that. I want to explain something. Here's a little bit of uh, insight into Ralph. I'm, I'm a very spatial person. So you give me a, a whole stage full of boxes of all different kinds of crazy sizes, all piled all over the place, and I will sit in that chair and I will look at all of those boxes and I will tell you if they fit into a tiny little closet. It's just the way my, my crazy head works. I'm very spatial with that. You know, if I have all of the luggage of my kids and everything else and they're all piled all over the place and I see some at, at the daughter's house and the son's house and some at my house and I look at all of that luggage and I look and I say, yep, I know exactly how I can fit that into the car. And if I sit in a classroom, I sit in the same seat all the time because I look at the board and I visualize it and I become very focused. When I come to church, I sit in the same seat all the time. Very spatial, very fixed. See things a very specific way. And my sight is always very fixed. And sometimes that's good. But I can tell you it can be very, very dangerous. And the reason it can become dangerous is because if my eyes get fixed on the wrong thing, they stay fixed on the wrong thing. And sometimes you just need to change your seat. Sometimes you just need to change your seat. And we get out of the seat, get out of the seat that's in the earthly realm, and we sit in the seat that God has already given to us and that's already there. And technically where we already are and sit in that and get a spiritual view. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up while I'm wrapping up. If we're sitting there where the only view we have are the walls falling down around us in life, it's time to sit down in the heavenly realm where Jesus has placed us. We need to take a mental shift from one to the other. Okay, how do we do this? How do we get there? Pray. Pray to Jesus. Jesus said to cast our cares on him because he cares for us. Pray. We recognize that God is good and every perfect gift comes from our Heavenly Father. Every good and perfect gift comes from our Heavenly Father. And we pray. We ask God to help us get our eyes off of the things of the earth and onto the things of heaven. I want to tell you another way. Get a new friend. Get a new friend. If you have a friend in life that keeps pulling you off the heavenly chair onto the earthly one and keeps pulling your view back, get your friend to see that you need to sit in the heavenly chair or get a new friend. Get a friend that's going to lift you up and pull you out of that chair and help you into the heavenly one. Set your alarm clock to go off every hour. 
Some people wear watches that say it's time to stand. It's time to stand. When he says it, look to God and say, God, fix my mind on things that are above and not on the things of earth. Open up your Bibles. Do a Bible study of who you are in Christ. I only scratched the surface of who we are in Christ. Open up your Bible. Really understand who we are in Christ. Think about the things that God has done for us. I'm going to give you a big one. Right on a big piece of paper. I am God's handiwork. I am God's handiwork. And smack tape it on your bathroom mirror. And every day when you brush your teeth this week, remind yourself, you are God's handiwork. You are seated in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. It's all God's work. We only need to let him start doing it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the work of the cross, Jesus dying for our sins and giving us forgiveness. And with that forgiveness, you have seated us in the heavenly realms. We just need to make the decision that's where we want to sit. So Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, that you quicken our hearts, that your Holy Spirit guides us into making those decisions, that when the things of earth are just falling apart, we see ourselves as your child, seated with you in heaven. That's where our destiny lies. That's where our hope is. And so, Lord, we turn our eyes upon Jesus. We look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. Do that work in us today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to close this morning uh, with Holy and Anointed One again. Just sing along and just let your heart cry out to the Lord in worship. Holy and Anointed One.
spirit like water to my soul. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Jesus, I love you. I love you, Jesus. Jesus. next week.